If you're a homeowner, or even in the process of buying a home as you listen to this, then you know the endless reams of paperwork that are going round and round with collecting the same information that has maybe been collected countless times before, putting it all together in a way that makes sense. Well, <laughs> the way things are right now, it doesn't make sense, which is why it is a great thing that people like Maria Harris of the Digital Cat Consultancy are working to make sure there is a change in the home buying process that unites digital technology with all the information out there to create something that is seamless from start to finish. And yes, it can happen. You'll hear all about it on this episode of Dave and Darm Demystify. From the studios of NMD Plus in the UK and US comes the Dave and Darm Demystify show. Demystify show, making sense of the world of fintech and digital finance. Sit back and listen as the two Ds take a subject and chat it through to make it clearer and easier to understand. And now, here are your hosts, Dave Wallace and Darm Mystery. Demystify. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Dave and Darm Demystify show. And this week we have a very special guest, Maria Harris. I'm going to let Maria introduce herself because she's got a fascinating background. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so yeah, Maria Harris, I run my own consultancy firm, which is called Digital Cat Consultancy, and I help mortgage firms and mortgage lenders to digitise their mortgage transformation process. Um, I'm a non-exec director at United Trust Bank and with South Tees NHS, and I do board advisory work with some fintech firms, including Cordute, who are a distributed ledger technology company, and um, with Plotify, who are a New York-based um, startup doing property investment and with Coracle, a London-based mortgage broker. Um, the reason that I get to do all of that is because I was part of the team who set up Atom Bank, who were the UK's first digital bank. So I got to design and create and build the UK's first digital mortgage, which was pretty cool. And on the back of doing both of those things, I also chair the technology subgroup for home buying and selling, which is a government industry collaboration group of people who are trying to improve the home buying process. So yeah, keeps myself busy and keeps me out of mischief. Well, I mean, look, just for the audience, full disclosure, I'm also part of the home buying selling group and working with Maria on the technology side of things. But that's really the area that I want to cover today. I flipped to the crop tech world a couple of years ago, but I'm kind of interested, Maria, from your perspective. I guess the link to crop tech is more obvious for you because you were dealing with mortgages, right? Yeah. But tell us a bit more about what you're doing on the home buying selling group. So I think that's going to be quite transformational, do you think? Yeah, I'm hoping so. And um, it's definitely the reason that we got involved. So Home Buying and Selling Group have been running for about four years now. And it came out of a call to action from a number of white papers around 
Why is the home buying and selling experience so broken? Why does it take so long? Um, lots of customer research that one in 10 customers are reduced to tears. People said, you know, it's as stressful as it is to get divorced as it is to buy a house. Why is it so awful? And, you know, the home buying and selling process hasn't really changed in a century. Um, you know, what was a very paper-based process is the same process now, even with the technology that we all have in place. And the biggest gap in the current process is that everything is document-driven rather than data-driven. And the data exists. It's just not available to the people who need the data at the point in time that they need it. So the whole idea of let's make all of the data completely available and available upfront to make it reusable and using their principles as we do with all data in whether that's government or industry. So the data should be findable and accessible, interoperable and reusable. And that if we could crack that for property data, actually we would fix a huge number of the challenges that we've got right now. So the upfront information pack was pulled together by one of the working groups and they soft launched it this time last year. So kind of March 21. And a few people tried it kind of in a soft launch. But what happened was that the people who were trying it then created their own version of what the upfront property pack should look like mainly using paper and mainly using documents, which kind of undid the whole purpose of having a data-driven thing. So the Home Buying and Selling Group asked, could we set up a technology working group, which we did last July, to look at how do we digitise upfront information and how do we work with government, local authority, industry, estate agents, conveyances, um, customer solutions providers to find a way to make this data fair and shareable and pull it right to the front of the process. So we've been trying to work on that since July. Crikey, I mean, I've just moved house myself. And as part of the clear up, I've emptied out a box full of paperwork from my last sale. And, you know, what's shocking is that, okay, this time round, I did end up with less paper, but it's all in emails and PDFs, etc. And one thing that I'm going to say is that I guess there was an initiative maybe about 10 years ago with home information packs to kind of make this better. What's different now about what you're doing in the home buying selling group? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I was around when HIPS came in as well. And I don't know if you can remember the kind of press and the PR launch about it at the time. But what you had were estate agents and conveyance literature were like lever arch files full of paper and full of documents. And the same challenge that we have now with the current process is those documents are out of date the second they are printed. Um, you can't really provenance where they've come from. If you go back to the old days of land registry, when your deeds actually came in a folder with a ribbon on and a big wax seal, and you knew that that was your deeds, and there was only one copy of them. Whereas now, when you're providing information about you know, your council tax or extensions, or whether or not your property's leasehold freehold, once you're printing those off as documents, there's a real lack of trust in being able to share those. And the provenance of proving that that data is actually the right data so we've got this situation at the moment where and we would have had the same with hips that it would have been a big folder full of information that nobody would have trusted and everybody therefore would have continued to do their own process and get their own version of that document so you weren't taking away the duplicity the additional cost the just kind of wasted time and resource and effort that still exists today so what's different today is that we are looking to completely move away from the concept of documents full stop and trying to get everybody to think data 
and that what we're going to do is collect data from the trusted sources so that if we're doing something like title information or your local land charges, that we collect that data from source, but we provide the provenance and the metadata so that you can see where that data has come from. When it was last updated, you can refresh it in real time. You can see that that data has come from where it should come from and that it's the right data at the right time. And that, yeah, as much as we can move to that, the closer we'll get to transactions being completely transparent and trusted and you know as close to whatever customer experience we want to create um as well there was a lot of talk about hips and it's shortening the process shortening the time and actually the issue is not how long it takes it's the stress and the uncertainty and the lack of transparency and that's the thing we fix we can get to real-time transactions if we want to but i'm not sure that's the thing that's actually broken you know one of the things which i've always hated about the home buying process is just you're not in control of the whole thing you're kind of at the mercy of other people in the chain is that something you're trying to make more visible so that people kind of know where the true situation is yes exactly that so i guess if you reimagined the customer journey completely in a way that you just wouldn't have it today where the customer whose property it is, so me as in I own the house that I'm currently living in and I want to make this house available to put for sale, I'm going to put my house up the market. I want to be in a situation where I can control and have access to all of the data that is associated with my property and be able to share that with interested parties. So whether that's my estate agent, um, somebody who might be interested in buying my house and making the right data available to them so that they can make informed decisions, but also have full transparency upfront. And the reason that most, most transactions fall through today or, or some of the biggest stress barriers are because by the time you have agreed the sale price, gone through the process of getting your mortgage offer, got your mortgage offer from your lender, paid all of your money for your valuations, product fee, your mortgage advice, estate agency fees, whatever it is, and you've provided your ID and V five times already and all your bank statements and everything, you think you've reached the end of the process, but actually that's when the process starts because that's when the conveyancer then goes and does all of the checks that actually you really needed at the beginning. So what happens is things come out at the back end of the process. Whereas if we can make those data driven and transparent and pull them right up to the front of the process, your starting point, your customer entry point is completely different. And you can engender trust because everybody has the same version of the same data and you've got one version of the truth. You know, the key thing is that once it becomes data, then everyone can understand it. We don't often do this, but I've got a question for Dave. Dave, when you've got all these different parties, you know, on the buyer side, on the seller side, you've got solicitors, you've got on the buyer side, the lender, you've got their surveyor, etc. How do you get to an experience that is compelling? Yeah. It's not just about taking away the emails and paper documents that are lost in the post, etc. I think it's exposing what's going on. So... An example which I think is very relevant is if you use TransferWise to move money abroad, you basically watch the money go across all the nodes of the banking industry. And there is no secret about where your money is at any particular point. So what TransferWise has done is brilliantly kind of exposed what's going on in money transfers. And money transfers is another thing which used to be like, oh, my God, I've pressed send is the money going to turn up? So I think with the home buying process, it's just 
exposing the guts of it to everybody who's in the process, I think, makes it all easier for people to understand, you know, what's going on. How you do that, I'm kind of not sure, but it's just making it transparent and exposing the inner workings, I think, is the way to do it. I think that's probably the biggest challenge of this, that we're asking people not just to imagine a customer journey and a customer experience that doesn't exist in home buying today, certainly not in the UK. It's an industry that's not hard and it's really challenging for somebody externally to come into our industry and go, yeah, this is broken. I'm just going to build something that fixes the whole thing because it's such a disparate industry and there's so many parts to it. But also the jobs that people do and the way our industry is configured from, you know, target operating model right now is that people's jobs are currently based on moving bits of paper and keying things from one system to another and pushing a button on a workflow to move something from one to the other and emailing and taking all those phone calls and being the kind of, you know, man in the middle or piggy in the middle around broker, customer, estate agent, conveyancer, and somebody's being the post box to answer all these queries and work out who's got the baton. So to reimagine that and go, well, what would everybody's jobs be like? What would people actually do if all of that industry didn't exist? And there are parts of our industry that make money from that. And I think, you know, we're quite shy about talking about that, but we have industries that are profitable because the experience is so bad. And because we have duplication of effort and because the customer's ID check has been done four times, industries are making money from a bad experience. So there's, you know, a real lack of desire, I think, to change it. I think part of the problem is exactly what you're saying. The industry makes a lot of money creaming the cream off the top of the milk, and it doesn't make sense for the industry to change things. So the more opaque it is, the easier it is for people to be able to charge ridiculous amounts of money for the bit that they play. And I think tackling that is a big job in itself. But then you need a model which says, well, this is the way to do it. And this is how we're going to tackle it. And going back to TransferWise, what TransferWise has done is it's disrupted sending money abroad thing. So everybody goes, well, actually, this should be a lot more straightforward than we ever believed it would be. And I think the property market needs that moment as well. There needs to be a customer demand as well, because Damesh saying he's you know bought a house recently. I can guarantee you that probably at least three of the players that you spoke to along the way will have told you to expect this is going to be icky. It's going to take a long time. This is the way it is. It just is what it is. There's an expectation, therefore, for customers think that this is just normal and that taking 26 weeks to buy a house is what it takes to buy a house. And until you can show them that you don't have to stand outside the train station and wait for a black cab to come down and wave it down standing in the rain, that there's an alternative. We don't have an alternative right now. We need to show them that there's a better way to do this so that we can almost drive the customer demand and that customer voice to say, I don't want to put up with this anymore and I'm not prepared to wait 26 weeks. And we really need customers to get demanding about how awful it is. But right now... People don't really know why the process is so bad. They don't know what the alternative way of it being better is. And also, you know, buying a house is the biggest commitment you'll ever make in your life. And people get really emotionally attached to our houses in the UK. And it's an emotive purchase. And therefore, we're prepared to put up an awful lot of crap to get our dream house. We're just used to this certain process. What hasn't happened in the property side of things is that there isn't as much transparency as there is on the banking side. We went through a revolution in mortgages because brokers had to expose how much commission they were getting. And, you know, they had to provide pricing or quotes 
in a way that was comparable against their competitors, right? Today, you know, that doesn't exist in a state agency. And what I found surprising once you get involved is how many different places they make their money from. It's not just from listing the property, but that transparency has to come into that side of the factor, I think. Sorry, Dave, you're going to say? I was just going to say, I think we're lucky in the UK because e-government is really kicked in. And if you want to get a new passport, you know, one of our lovely blue ones, you know, that used to be a real mission, filling in forms and getting photos signed. Now you can go on and within minutes of filled in the form, bang, it's got your data there. You take your photo with your phone and a few weeks later, your passport turns up or buying your car tax. I mean, literally you get a letter with a code on, you put the code in and it tells you this is your car. You can buy the car and, you know, buying car tax used to be a mission. So you just end up going, well, why hasn't home buying been slightly flipped on its head? So as you say, like the data about your house exists somewhere. I don't know whether the government owns that or the registry or whatever, but you get access to that data and everyone else gets access to that data. And then that kicks off the whole process. Yeah, absolutely right. As I'm thinking about it, it's all back to front, isn't it? The way we kind of do things. So, you know, and I've lost houses in the buying process because, as you say, something comes up right at the end and you go, well, I've just spent, you know, a few grand on searches and blah, blah, blah. And that's, I guess, where the industry is then making more money. I don't know what the percentage is of every home buying which kind of goes through okay, but there must be a fair few which don't. Yeah, so it's almost one in three transactions. Wow, that's just shocking, isn't it? It is really shocking. That in itself is bad enough, but you're absolutely right. As somebody who has got to that stage in the process and then has to give up having spent financially committed money, but also emotional commitment, like you've committed to that purchase, you've already worked out who's having which bedroom and where your furniture is going to go and what you're going to do with things like the emotional investment in that is huge. And then the person who then picks up your button in the chain has to start again and do the whole thing all over again, even though you've just paid for all those searches and all that. It's very, very rare they get reused. One of the challenges and I think this is a government and industry challenge. It's not one or the other. And it's lots of different departments is unlike passports or car um, car registration or car licensing, all of the data does not sit in one place and does not have one owner. Yeah. So you've got such a plethora of banks, building societies, mortgage brokers, um, HM land registry, call authority, search data, local authority, all of that data is just spread across so many different people who are all at very different stages of their own digital transformation, some definitely further ahead than others. Um, you've got some of those agencies who are just moving to things like digital signatures. If you look at land registry, that's quite a recent thing, been able to do e-conveyancing. Um, Registers of Scotland who've said, like, no longer will we accept paper, we're moving to electronic only. But then you've got local authorities who are still really struggling with legacy systems in the same way that some of our you know tier one banks have really struggled with how they get off some quite monolithic platforms um you know i've heard stories of some of the local authorities at the beginning of the pandemic having to take their documents home to work from home literally in tins like you know in cardboard boxes and records still being held in you know data storage centers and there's a lot of legacy to undo to get all of that data into even some storage that is digital and future proof so you and I have both been through the open banking phenomenon, right? Yeah. And 
right at the beginning, you know, we saw all the big banks, the established players, you know, like, we don't really want this. Why should we have to do this, et cetera, right? But the outcome has been really positive for customers. And I think we're really at the very beginning of that journey anyway. What's your perspective on how what you're doing right now? And you're doing an amazing job on corralling this stuff, right? But what's your perspective on like how much of a change will this bring about, do you think, really? Open banking is an interesting one because I'm a huge advocate of open banking, but because it was driven from competition markets perspective and around making things better for customers. And at the heart of it was this is customers own banking data. This is my current account data or my payments data. Why should I not have visibility and transparency and trust in that? Um, So I'm a huge advocate and it's frustrating how slow it's been to evolve um, that it's almost like the first part of it which was the really tough part of setting up the standards and the frameworks and agreeing the principles of how we make that data secure and safe and shareable and having gone through all the pain of doing that it's almost like yeah we've done it box ticked and then it seems to have just kind of stalled there when really what you wanted was for that to then kick on to how do we do that for other financial services products and other financial services data and how do we get to a point where I can see all of my financial health in one place but that's given rise to a load of fintechs who've then tried to create um, marketplaces or you know financial um, management products where they're trying to do that API connectivity and give me a single customer view of all my finances and who are doing a really good job but again struggling to get access to all of the data that they need to make that happen. But the success of open banking was around the framework and the trust standards and having agreement from the original CMA9 on how they would share data, what the data and the technology standards would be to make that happen. The DCMS have done something very similar recently with digital identity. And as we move to things like passport driving lessons, all of that kind of stuff being online, you can actually see how that's going to be hugely effective. And what we're trying to do with the property data is create the same trust framework. So a property data trust framework that follows a similar path to open banking and digital identity and creates a kind of benchmark and a levelling to start off that trust conversation and enable participants to be comfortable with where data is coming from, who the primary sources of data are, what access people can have to data and how you share it. But then we're also creating the JSON kind of API standards and the open API specs that help people then write their APIs around If I want to be part of an ecosystem and connect in this way, here's the toolkit of how you do it. And it's very technology agnostic. It's very solution agnostic. There's room in there from everyone from, you know, one man bands who are doing really cool fintech stuff in their bedroom, right up to FTSE 100 banks who are, you know, big, big sources of this data and government departments to actually create a single dictionary, like a data standard, and it means we can all share property data in a way that works for all of us. So if we can crack it, and I'm really confident, I think, that it's the first time I've felt that the industry is all pulling in the same direction, that this very much matches the mood music that we're hearing from Treasury, from Bank of England, from government, from DCMS, that it's very aligned to where the country wants to go in terms of digital and keeping UK at the front of the fintech market. You know, we're kind of world famous for it and we want to keep our position in that global economy. So it feels like right time, right place. We've got the right people having the conversation. If we can crack it, I genuinely think we will 
absolutely transform the industry and it'll be the biggest change that we've seen in a century in home buying. I think it'll be phenomenal, but it'll give that power back to the customer, which is why we're all doing it, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. My outsider's opinion of this is it's a question of when and not if, because the fundamentals of the way that the technology is being built in an open fashion that allows either, you know, private networks or peer-to-peer exchanges to happen independent of any one specific technology is just absolutely the right way to go. So it's going to be the thing that makes this actually work. So, yeah, I mean, I tend to agree with you. This is going to be massively transformational. Whilst the focus is on the home buying selling, the repercussions of this is going to be similar to open banking in that the uses for this and the breadth of uses is yet to come. You know, the focus will be on the transaction for now. But once the data is digitized and free moving, right, with permission based access, there's going to be a world of revolution in terms of change here, I think. You know, I'm fundamentally really excited about myself. I really hope so. And we've got a lot of participants in the technology subgroup from fintech startups, let's say right up to big banks and people like Ricks. And we get very excited when we talk about future use cases, especially around things like using data to get to carbon neutral, getting customers really engaged with not just the home buying and selling process, but with how to manage your house well. Like, and does that lead to better products? Does it lead to better financial health? We've got lots of studies that tell us that's probably the case, but to be able to evidence that and give the customer the nudges and the insights and the education that says if you do this with your property or you maintain your property in a certain way you can actually get better energy consumption better energy bills you can get access to grants for green and you can get to carbon neutral sooner than 2050 and then yeah I get really excited about the other things you could then do around internet of things and connecting and connectivity of other appliances right down to you know could you like if I've got a charging mat on my drive could I make that available to delivery drivers in the area between the hours that I'm not using it because I'm no I'm not at home or tell you know delivery companies that they can fly their drones over my roof space between this time and this time because I know my property's empty but please don't do it after this time when I know I'm going to be home or don't do it at this time of the day when I'm recording a podcast and I get really excited about what we can allow customers to do when we give them their own data in a way that is useful. We're going to have to wrap up now. Thank you so much, Maria, for joining us. It's a whole new area to think about. So good luck with it. Thank you. Please, please, please make sure something comes out of it, because I think we could all do with a better, more transparent way of buying our houses. We will get there. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Dave and Dan Demystify. We hope you join us next time and check back in the weeks ahead as we build our podcast vault on SoundCloud. Be sure to connect with Dave Wallace and Darmish Mystery on LinkedIn. And until next time, ciao and have a marvellous week. The Dave and Darm Demystify Show is a production of NMD Plus, London, Chicago and Austin, Texas.